Welcome to Create, Share, Engage. This is the podcast about portfolios for learning and more for educators, learning designers, and managers keen on integrating portfolios with their education and professional development practices. Create, Share, Engage is brought to you by the Mahada team at Catalyst IT. My name is Christina Höppner, and I look forward to speaking with Bas Bakker today. Bas holds a master's in business administration with specialization in marketing and has been a learning designer for many years working in the Netherlands. This is the first time that we are sitting down to talk portfolios and I'm looking forward to our chat to learn how portfolios are used in Dutch institutions of higher education. Thank you for your time to speak with me today, Bas. Thank you. Can you please tell us a bit about yourself? What do you do? you just mentioned i'm a learning designer but it's not what i started i started as more like in marketing and market research in the beginning of my career i worked in hong kong so only after that when i came back i started a job in education first as a teacher and a lecturer and later on more and more as a learning designer also more involved in the it part of uh, the teaching and learning so how did you stumble into becoming a learning designer uh, from marketing? Well, that was quite a coincidence because, well, as I mentioned, I worked in marketing and in, in market research, and I did that in Hong Kong. And we lived there for almost four years. We also got two children at, the, at that time. When we came back to the Netherlands, one of us, me or my wife, had to work less or more flexible hours. And we choose uh, for me that I was the one. Yeah, we were thinking about what what is a good environment to work more flexible hours, and that was of course education. But yeah, it was for me not so easy. Like, how do you come from a marketing job into education? And that happened I, actually quite by coincidence because in the afternoon on the schoolyard, I was chatting to one of the mothers, uh, friends of my daughter, and well, we chatting and said, well, are you available? To maybe have some job with us because we can use people with the experience you have well we can just talk and two weeks later i was just in front of a class of 100 students for my first lecture so it was quite um, yeah surprising for me but um, i found it very interesting and uh, from that on i'm still working in this, in this uh, educational environment do you see any parallels between marketing and learning design well, of course, yes, you have to understand uh, the needs of the client or customer. And if you see the student as your client, yes, that is very important to see what they need for uh, learning. And I think I still use that in my work. So I try to understand the needs, well, not only the, the students, but also the, the teachers. And I think that's maybe also a reason I'm not a lecturer anymore, but more like a learning designer, because I find it more fun and interesting to do, to do research, all these kind of things. Great. Thank you, Bas. And uh, yes, I think sometimes it actually helps when you come sideways into a career because you can bring all of that other experience that somebody might not have actually ever thought about to bring to a job with you because you have that different perspective. Yeah, I think that that's also something which is, of course, from your background from business administration, you learn to look at different angles. You learn to look at different perspectives. If you look into the area of portfolios, there's also different perspectives. You have the perspective of the student, the program, and also the IT departments. They also have different needs. Yeah, you should try to find something which works for them all. And that's not easy. 
That sure is not easy. You're right there. You mentioned that you are a learning designer now and that you're doing quite a bit of research. In what area of learning design is that research for you? Are you looking into different tools or more into how to use the technology in a sound pedagogical way or is it both? It's both, actually, because I have dif different roles, uh, because in one of my projects, I'm more like the functional application uh, admin. So I really do the functional analysis of the system we use at the moment. We have to make a decision, can we use it or not, or should we look for another tool? And in another field, another project, I'm closer to the program, and I'm more like the learning designer, which really helps the program to fit the tool or to use the tool on a proper way so that the students and the teachers, they have an effective learning environment. What are you actually looking for in a portfolio platform when you're looking at it from the learning design research side of things? Actually, it should support the learning of the students on the one side, but it also should support the whole assessment process of the program. So you have both sides, actually, the learning process and more like the accountability side of the portfolio. And that's not always easy because there's different needs for that. And there you always have to look to, to balance the two sides. I would say I would look into both sides. You can do these things in the portfolio tool itself. But most of the times you want to have also the learning management system involved because my vision is more like the portfolio is the personal learning environment of the student, of the learner, and the learning management system is more the environment of the program or the institution. And if you not really define these two environments clear, then the student will not really be free to express their own ideas and to really reflect on their own learning in a very honest way. At the organizations where you work at, do you use portfolios more for assessment purposes or for developmental purposes or kind of what some people also call the learning portfolio? Well, it's both actually. And I think it's more the matter how much they are integrated because a lot of programs, they use them both. You have the one side and the other side and there's a gap between these. But you have also programs which are really, really integrated and they use it really on a very integrated uh, way. I don't know which one is better because you can have both, but I feel that in a more integrated environment, in my experience is students really see more advantage of the portfolio. What does such an integrated environment look like? It's more about the objects, like students learn in learning activities and the learning activities, they have some outcomes, they have a project or um, they have kind of a poster they designed. And when you do it both, they reflect not only on the task, but they also reflect more on a higher level, on a more metacognitive level. And that means that they think about how would it help me to be a better whatever profession they study for. And that is more like if you do both things, you see a very a stronger uh, use of the portfolio system because it's not only collecting evidence but it's also using these collected evidence to really reflect on their learning and also on their professional level what they want to be in the future. 
How do you then support the students with their reflections? Do you have a favorite reflective framework? I don't have it. <laughs> Some programs have it. It also depends on how they work with templates. Because some of the programs really have a scaffolded program with a lot of forms and reflection forms. And there also are programs which is really, they give lots of freedom to the students to just ask to, well, if you want to reflect, there's a, a learning journal and well, do your collection. And that is really up to the student in that course, in that uh, program. Now, Bas, you live in the Netherlands, and there, of course, Dutch is the official language. Mahara comes in English by default, but there are also translations into other languages, including Dutch. And that is thanks to the efforts in most recent years, in particular, to Joost Elshoff, um, but previously also Kohn Rogemans, who has also translated Moodle for many, many years. Do your students use Dutch translations of the software tools that they are using? Do you find that it is an advantage to have a software available in the language that is their mother tongue or their preferred language? Yes, I think so. But also a lot of our students are also quite familiar in English, but still I think it's good to have so in Dutch. But there's also one other thing, like we have the Flemish or Belgium, it's a little bit than the Dutch language. So some of the translations we can see is not really Dutch, it's more like Belgium. Still we have one language, but then still you see the very small differences. I think it's very good to also have a, a, a native version of the interface. I think it would be better if we could, well, if the Dutch community could really work together to come up with a good translation to some words, because it's from English to Dutch is sometimes difficult because our words tend to be longer than the English words. So it will not be on the screen. So it's not always easy to make it a Dutch translation that really still fits. Well, certainly something to talk with the Dutch translators about at some point and see what can be done there. Now, Bas, you've mentioned that your students use portfolios in many different ways that you're very much in favor of integrating systems so that you can get the benefits from both of them, or maybe even more than two systems. What trends have you observed in portfolio work over the years in the area where you've been involved in? What I see now, in, especially in the Netherlands, but I think also in Belgium, that there's increasingly more large-scale implementations rather than fragmented pilots. Also, what you see is that uh, institutions place a higher demand on functionality and integrations with other applications, and that's API or LTI integrations. There's also, I think, increasing interest in alternative ways of certification, for example, badges or micro-credentialing. We see that a lot of in the Holland. We have also uh, daily batches in the Netherlands. Also, learning management and portfolios are more and more integrated, but not always. It would be best if you have both integrated. But the one we use now in, the, in Rotterdam, for example, there's an older one, which is really good for higher education. But then the newer one, it's more focused to K-12 and not higher education. So I think higher education cannot work anymore without an, an e-portfolio. We really need one. If now a supplier is say, well, we focus on a totally different area, it's a problem. We have to find something else. And um, yeah, that is not easy. 
Also, what I see is in the Netherlands, at least, we call it programmatic assessment. This is a lot of programs are going that way. And that means that you don't assess subjects anymore, like small subjects, but you assess the whole, not the parts anymore. And this is interesting, but also not easy to design because you have not to have the only one part of your curriculum, but you should look at the whole. It's uh, also something to find out um, what works best and also what is the role and how do you use uh, the portfolio in that kind of context. Yeah. What do you think is the reason why there are more large-scale implementations of portfolios in the Netherlands at the moment? Is it because populars are currently trendy or have people realize that that kind of assessment or continuous learning is very useful for students to then also continue in their career? It's more than the, the shift in approach to what you know, it's what you can do. There's more focus on the ability of students. Uh, it's not only what you could teach taught in the class, like uh, some kind of book or knowledge, but it's more about what you can do with this knowledge. And I think it's not easy to assess all this with just a test. You need a portfolio to do wider assessment of these qualities of these students. So you need a system which looks at a broader scope than only one part of the learning of the student. Do you also see portfolios being used in the workplace or that students continue their portfolios once they leave the university? Not yet, not in all fields. I think it's in, especially in the medical field, yes, but not in the other fields yet. But maybe I think it's changing because lifelong learning is still on the road. In a medical area, yes, I see it, but in the other ones, it's coming, but it's not really broad implemented. Which kind of really takes me to our next question, namely, what would you like to be able to do with portfolios that you currently can't yet? A lot of questions I get lately is about how would it be possible to visualize the learning of the student better? So how would it be to show progress of their learning for the students themselves? Because everybody's talking about dashboards nowadays. What would be nice to have a dashboard? But that question is not so easy to answer because what should the dashboard tell? Is it the amount of feedback you get? Uh, or is it about the feedback you get? How much feedback you get? Because that is all quantitative information, but it's more about you need really have to have an understanding. When has a student grown? It's more qualitative than quantitative. So it's really not easy to think and come up with kind of dashboard. But we work quite a lot with uh, smart evidence already, but I think smart evidence could be improved with some kind of spider diagram. I think there are some proposals for that already. That would be very interesting. Why do you think the spider diagram would be very interesting? And of course, I'll link in the episode's notes to it so that um, listeners can check it out. It could be very interesting to have your own view, for example, for the student has a self-review and compare that to a review or to an expert review and then uh, reflect on that. So your idea about how good you are can be quite subjective, especially when you have like an expert looking at your own performance. That would be like a mirror, like you see someone else's opinion about what you show. And then I think it's good to learn from that. Visualize 
the gaps between your own ideas about where you are and the ideas about the expert or your peers. So kind of do have some automatic aggregation of what you have been doing in the portfolio, but not solely relying on that and still giving students the choice to also voice their opinion and bring themselves in with how they see themselves. Where do you think then learning analytics falls into it? Where do you see its place in the portfolio world? It could be, but then it should be really student learning analytics. So it should be analytics for the students. I think you should really aggregate them. And also, I don't know what kind of figures that should be. It should have to do with your goals, the things you set yourself, and you have to have feedback from the system. But what kind of feedback from the system would you get? I think a few years ago, YISC in the UK did a really large research on student learning analytics. And I think it would be very interesting to look into that to see what is useful information for students to learn from what they do. And of course, you have also the question about can the program or the teacher also learn from that? But that's, I think, not easy because you always come in the situation which is what is allowed and what is not allowed to show. Because you have the privacy standards, GDPR, and all these things. It's really difficult. And in Holland, we are really thinking about it. A lot of people are thinking about it. So I see a future. But it's not easy, especially in the field of portfolio, because the portfolio is really a personal learning environment. So it should be also a personal learning dashboard. Hmm. There are certainly lots still to research and keeping all learning designers busy in that area. Now we are coming to the end of um, our interview today, Bas. I'd like to ask you three questions. The first one is, which words do you use to describe portfolio work? I was thinking about the words you have in this program. I thought about these three words. You had create, share, and engage. And I think, yes, that's very good words. And I think, well, I can mention these words. But I think there's not a three I can mention. I, I came up with curate, reflect, learn. Curate, reflect, and learn, right? Yes. I think these are really important because especially when you collect a lot of evidence, it's not about all the evidence, it's about what is the evidence which shows best where you are and what you are and where you stand in your learning journey. Of course, to do that, you need to reflect. And because of the feedback and the reflection, you learn. That's a very interesting part of the portfolio. Thank you for those three additional words. I really look forward to putting all of these together in a word cloud so that we get an idea of what everybody's thinking in terms of portfolios and what is important to them in that work. What tip do you have for learning designers or instructors who create portfolio activities? I think especially these learning activities should design in such a way that these activities help students learn more effectively with an e-portfolio. They should be challenging and interesting for students, and they also should be something where they can understand why they do it and where they are leading to. Because in a program, you have many learning activities, but together they form an interesting learning journey. Try to develop challenging learning activities that make it more effective for students to learn within the portfolio. That now takes us to the last question. What advice do you then have for portfolio authors, for your students, for your learners? 
that was for me quite a difficult question because it really depends on the context. Because some of the programs really let the students very free, they give them a free space, but other programs give them a really narrow space. But what I should say to both of them, try to be as creative as you can so that you will be more aware to select the evidence to show what your learning improvements are. Also, what I always say is keep a learning journal because most of the portfolio tools also Mahara has a blog. Especially keeping a, a learning journal is very interesting to look back later on in your study. Thank you, Bas. Thank you also for giving us a glimpse into your work as a learning designer who has been using portfolios and also different portfolio tools with students for so many years. Thank you very much. Now over to our listeners. What do you want to try in your own portfolio practice? This was Create, Share, Engage with Bas Backer. Head to our website podcast.mahara.org where you can find links and the transcript for this episode. This podcast is produced by Catalyst IT and I'm your host, Christina Höppner, Project Lead and Product Manager of the portfolio platform Mahara. I hope you listen again and tell a colleague about our podcast so they can subscribe. Until then, create, share and engage.